Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 this week will be in verses 20 and 21, but uh, let's, let's start up with verse 18 just to get the context from verse 18 all the way down to verse 21 is all one sentence. You see there's no period there until you get all the way down to, to 21. And verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And so we, we uh, studied in verse 18 about being filled with the Spirit and how that is to, to allow the Word of Christ to dwell in you richly in all wisdom. It's not the, you know, the, the, the kinds of things often that there's you know, many different teachings about what it means to be filled with the Spirit, but it's really to let the Word of God be the thing that is the, the motivating factor, the control, you could say, in your life. And verses 19, 20, and 21 give us three things, then, that are the result of being filled with the Spirit. Last time we were looking at verse 19 about speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And we compared that over in Colossians where the purpose for that singing in in the church, like we do every Sunday, is to teach and admonish one another. And so there's a, a, a doctrinal teaching purpose for music in the church. And today we're going to be looking at verses 20 and 21, which are, are two more things that are the result of being filled with the Spirit. Verse 20 says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so another result, besides just that, that singing and, and speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, another result of being filled with the Spirit is to be giving thanks always. And, and it says not just to give thanks always, but to give thanks always for all things. And so an attitude of, of thankfulness is a result of being filled with the Spirit. Remember that Romans 1, in, in describing the, the, the process that took place with man after the fall, it says that when they knew God, they, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Right? And the, you know, the, the kind of sin and wickedness that you see in the world today often has its root in not being thankful and not giving thanks. And so here it, it says one of the, 
one of the results there of being filled with the Spirit is to be giving thanks always for all things. You know, without, without going into a great amount of detail, put a mark here in Ephesians chapter 5 and, and turn back over to Romans chapter 8. The reason that you can give thanks for all things, it doesn't mean that you, you enjoy everything that happens to you. Uh, it doesn't mean that, that uh, you know, there's all kinds of terrible things that happen to people. It doesn't mean that you just, you just enjoy bad things happening as well as you enjoy good things. But what you can know from God's word, Romans 8 verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. See, if there's a reason why you can give thanks for all things, it's because of Romans 8, 28, those things work together for good to them that love God. And so the, while the, the things themselves may not seem good in the temporal sense, when you look at things with an eternal perspective, you can see those things working for good. Um, the, uh, the scripture says that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more eternal and exceeding weight of glory. And when you have that eternal perspective and that proper focus, which is really what we've been talking about here in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, you can, you can see past the things themselves and you can see the, the eternal perspective. And so you can give thanks always for all things. Now, it, it says that we're to give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father. Now, that's not two separate people. That's just two, two aspects of who God is. He is God and he's the, he's the Father. And it says we give thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, that's, that's the... I, I would hate to say it's a formula. It's not really a, a formula, but that's the pattern for prayer for members of the body of Christ. We pray to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't pray to Jesus Christ. We don't pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray to God the Father, and we do that in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, when the scripture talks about doing something in the name of somebody, it's, that's really a reference to authority, okay? You have authority or you have access to God the Father through Jesus Christ, and, and you come to him in Jesus' name. That's why at the end of a prayer, it's customary, a Christian prayer, we say, in the name of Jesus Christ, or, you know, in, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's the, the, the way that you're able to come to God the Father in prayer. Uh, it's, it's interesting, by the way, that um, uh, there, you, know, you have these various restrictions that government, for instance, tries to put on prayer. And you know that Christian chaplains in the military, when they're leading a meeting they cannot pray in the name of Jesus Christ, okay? There, I mean, there have been chaplains who have gotten in a lot of trouble because they said those words in the name of Jesus Christ. And, you know, really to, to, to prohibit that is to prohibit Christian prayer. And I understand, 
you don't, when you pray, you don't have to end every prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, it's not so much about saying the words, but the fact is, when you pray to God the Father, you are praying in the name of Jesus Christ. But understand that when when there's a prohibition on praying in the name of Jesus Christ, that that's really a prohibition. It's it's directed at Christian prayer, right? I mean, it, that wouldn't that wouldn't prohibit a Muslim from praying the way that they pray, you know, just praying to God or Allah, which is, is the Arabic word for God. Uh, it doesn't prohibit other kinds of prayer, but it says, if you're a Christian, you can't give a Christian prayer, okay? And that, you know, when, when we pray, that's, that's how we pray, and that's why that's a big issue, praying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you're going to put a prohibition there, that's a prohibition that is directed, again, not at all these other kinds of prayers to, to, you know, all kinds of other gods, but that's a limit on prayer, on Christian prayer. And, you know, when we, when we pray, I hear, I hear a lot of people will pray to God the Father and, and in order to have, have it be just kind of a general non-sectarian, that's the, the word now, non-sectarian prayer. They'll pray to God and, and they'll say, in your name. And, you know, there's a lot of things that people say in prayer without really thinking about what they're saying. Um, you know, even things like, like, amen, you know, it's customary to end the prayer with amen. And most people would have no idea what amen means. Um, amen just kind of means so be it. That's that's sort of you know you you use it sometimes to express agreement, like in a in a message when somebody says amen, you're expressing agreement with what was said, and that's sort of just just at the end of the prayer. And you see this um, various places in God's Word where prayers are recorded that they end with amen, but. You never want to fall into this kind of traditionalism where you just do something because that's what you've always done. You want to do things with a purpose. And, you know, this kind of thing where people try and, and, and just say, in your name, right? They're praying to God the Father and they say, in your name. That doesn't really mean anything. Uh, you wouldn't talk to someone in their own name. Right? That, that idea, that name, you're saying you can come to God the Father through Jesus Christ to, to pray just in God's name is people trying to say the same kind of words but get around what's considered to be a sectarian prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I hope you don't worry about whether you're too sectarian or not. Uh, if you're going to follow God's word you're going to be what, what people would call sectarian because there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong, okay? And, and that's, a, that's an issue. It may seem like a little issue, you know, just whether you can say those words in Jesus' name, but realize that, again, those kinds of regulations and restrictions are put there to restrict Christian prayer, not, not to restrict anything else. Uh, you know, so, so much of what's done in the name of separation of church and state uh, is really a limit on the free exercise of 
of Christianity, and that's why those issues are important. That's why those, those battles are important to fight. Uh, so you see that, that we are told in God's word to give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't say give thanks in the name of Jesus Christ when you're in church. It doesn't say do it when you're around Christians. It says do it all the time and for everything, and you give thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, where we're going to spend the rest of our time today, though, is in verse 21, which says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And this is the third now of these three things listed in this passage that are a result of being filled with the Spirit. So you have that speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You have giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And you know that most of the rest of the book of Ephesians is going to be about how to, how as believers to submit ourselves to one another. I want you to notice, you know, before before we get down, in the coming weeks, we'll get down into the, the things about wives and husbands. Verse 22, for instance, says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, right? And, and before we get there, I want you to see here, though, that verse 21 says that as saints, we are to submit ourselves one to another. Uh, let's get a a cross-reference. Again, put a mark here in Ephesians 5 and turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Here Peter says much the same thing. Peter's writing to the the, uh, Hebrew believers who had been dispersed, and he says to them, 1 Peter chapter 5, he he, uh, is talking about similar issues to what we have in Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6. Uh, here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, for instance, he addresses the elders. And he talks to them about what their responsibility is as an elder. And in verse 5, he talks to the young men and, and young women as well. He says, likewise ye younger, 1 Peter 5, 5, likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You see there, he he says, be subject one to another. He says specifically to those who are younger, to submit themselves and be subject to those that are older. But he says, all of you be subject one to another. And Paul says in Ephesians 5, submitting yourselves one to another. And this is because, remember, remember Christ when he was teaching his disciples and he, he uh, talked about the, the kingdoms of this world and how the Gentiles ruled over one another. And he said they take dominion over one another, right? But he said, 
For, for those of you that are believers in me, he said, that's not the way it's supposed to be among you. He says, if you want to be greatest, be the servant. Serve your brethren. Submit yourselves to them. Subject yourselves to them. Now, that word submit um, has a, usually has a negative connotation for us. Um, you know, one of my, one of my uh, favorite sports to watch is mixed martial arts. Anybody else like to watch UFC? The, you know, Paul often uses that, that example of, of men striving together and the kind of dedication and training that they put in as an example for what our Christian life ought to be. And, you know, you, you see those men who prepare for that fight, which really only lasts a few minutes overall, and they put in months and months of training in order to be able to, to prevail in that fight. And mixed martial arts, if, you know, a lot of people don't like it. They think it's too, too brutal and that kind of thing. Although you'll find among those competitors more respect for one another than you often do in, in many other sports. And if you think it's brutal now, go back and watch some of the, some of the very first UFC fights. Um, you go back and watch UFC 1, and you, that's the Ultimate Fighting Championship. You watch UFC 1 and 2 and 3, where it was bare knuckles. They, they weren't allowed to wear any, any gloves or anything. Uh, they had a lot less rules than they have now. And, you know, the difference between mixed martial arts and boxing, boxing, you can win by knocking out your opponent. You can get a, a technical knockout, or you can win on decision. But in, in the mixed martial arts, because they do grappling and things, you can submit your opponent, right? Now, that's where you put them in, in some position where they have so much pain or so much fear of, of injury or are on the verge of, of just completely passing out that they will submit. And, and the way they do that is to tap. You, you tap the arm of your opponent or his leg or, or somewhere, and that tells your opponent and the referee, I give up, okay? And uh, there's, there's some of those fighters that they are so able to control themselves that even through excruciating pain, they will never submit. Um, they, you know, you, they'll, they'll let their arm break before they submit, uh, in a, there was a, a recent fight where a guy's arm actually was broken early in the fight, and he continued to fight and to win, even blocking kicks with that broken arm. You know, and again, th this is that's the kind of thing when Paul talks about men striving for mastery. That's the kind of picture he gives you of what the Christian life ought to be, and that kind of, of dedication that we ought to have. But but understand the this. Submitting, when it talks about submitting ourselves, often what we think of as submitting is that kind of thing that, that takes place in a, in a UFC fight where someone overpowers you and forces you to submit to them. And so when we see the Word, and the Word of God tells us to submit ourselves one to another, often there's a kind of a, a fleshly pride that wells up in us that says, I'm not going to submit to anybody, right? We become like, like those fighters that they don't care how much pain there is. They don't care about any of those things. They're not going to submit. And, and 
you know, we, we view this submission as something that's, that's a negative thing. Um, as if you're being forced into submission and somebody's just going to, to trample all over you. But that's not the kind of submission that's being talked about in, in the passage. When it says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. It, first of all, it says submitting yourselves. It's not talking about bringing somebody else into subjection to you. It's talking about you submitting yourself to them, not out of force, not out of pain, but willingly out of love, submitting ourselves one to another. And that is, is something that is really exemplified for us uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, again, we often think of submission in a, in a UFC fight. The guy who submits, he submits out of weakness. It's because either through uh, skill or strength or something, his opponent has been able to defeat him and he submits and, and he loses that match. But the kind of submission that's talked about here is not a submission out of weakness, but it is a submission of strength. Okay? The, I want you to um, consider for a moment. It says that we are to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. And you know that you cannot truly submit to God unless you are also submitting yourself to other believers. Now, again, the, the rest of chapter 5 and into chapter 6 are going to talk about specific relationships and how people in various positions are to submit themselves one to another, how wives are to submit themselves, and also, though it doesn't repeat the word, how husbands are to submit themselves to their wives. There's a, there's a different way that you're supposed to do that depending on which, which of those roles you're in. Chapter 6 talks about children and then about fathers. Uh, it also talks about servants and masters, or we would say employees and employers, right? And it's going to tell about how people in these different roles are to submit themselves one to another. But you see that all of that is to be done in the fear of God. Um, go, we, we've been comparing this passage here in Ephesians with its parallel over in Colossians. And go, go over to Colossians chapter 3. I want you to look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 17. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 says, And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed... Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And you see there it mentions giving thanks, just as it did in, in Ephesians 5. Um, but you see it says, whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, oftentimes we have a tendency in our thoughts to kind of separate the, um, I don't necessarily like the wording, but the way a lot of people would phrase it would be to say the sacred and the secular, right? We, we kind of have this compartment in our mind where we think about the things of the Lord, 
the thing, you know, coming to church, reading the Bible, praying, those kinds of things. And then we have this other, usually much larger compartment in our mind where we think about the things of the world and we think about the things we want to accomplish and we think about our job and we think about our relationships and all those things. But what God's Word does for the believer is it says those aren't these two separate compartments, but rather everything you do is to be done unto the Lord. You see, everything you do is to be done in the fear of God. And the way it does that is not by, not by taking the sacred things and lowering them down to the level of the secular, but rather by taking the secular things and lifting them up to the level of the sacred. So that in the, in the future weeks, as we continue on here in Ephesians 5, it's going to talk about regular relationships that everybody has, husbands and wives, and how that relationship can be something that glorifies the Lord. It's going to talk about children and parents. It's going to talk about, like I said, about uh, employees and employers, servants and masters, and how that relationship can be something that glorifies the Lord. And everything else that you do can be done just as, as something fleshly, which would be secular and, and routine and that kind of thing, or it can be done unto the Lord. It can be done in the fear of God. And, and so that's our, that's our responsibility. Our responsibility is to do everything we do with a focus on the Lord. Not just Sunday morning, but all day on Sunday, all day on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Right? Every day of the week, everything we do with a, with a focus on the Lord and who he is. And when, when you consider why we have that duty and that responsibility, here you know, it tells us to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of of God and, and the God that it's talking about, you know, let's let's be clear here because a lot of times what we do is we talk about God and we sort of have this conception in our mind of who God is. And oftentimes what what people most often do is the conception that they have of God winds up being very much like themselves. They assume that the things that they like and dislike, those must be the things God likes and dislikes. They assume that the way they think about things, that must be the way God thinks about things. And rather than people trying to conform themselves and their wills to the will of God, we wind up making a God out of our own Im imagination that conforms to us and conforms to, to who we are so that we can be justified in ourselves. Okay? But... When the Bible talks about God, it's talking about a, you could say a person, a person who really exists. And just like any other person, you can't just assume that God is what you want him to be. You don't do that with other people, I hope. Um, they are who they are, right? Whether, whether that's who you want them to be or not, that's who they are. And when you're, when you're in a relationship with a person, you want to find out who that person is, right? Now, sometimes, because of sin, we 
try and do that with other people too, and we try and conform them. Uh, you know, sometimes we'll come up with a with an image of what we think a person ought to be, and get them to to conform to that. But hopefully, you you learned, and and uh, it doesn't take too long most of the time to learn that doesn't work, right? People are who they are, and God is who He is. And when we talk about God, we're not just talking about some, some force out there that just sort of embodies whatever people want God to be. We're not talking about just some general God of, of which, you know, all, all religions have some little piece. That's what, that's what a lot of people think is that, you know, this religion sees one piece of who God is and this religion sees another piece of who God is and, and God's really all of it. You know, we're not talking about the, the moon god Allah that the Muslims worship. We're not talking about the 300 million gods of Hinduism. We're not talking about all of the various gods that, that people call God and, and worship. We're talking about the God who created everything. We're talking about the God of the Bible. Uh, the one who the scripture says... He calleth things that be not as though they were. The one who knows the end from the beginning. The one who created all things. Right? You know, consider who God is. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.